TSN 1050, TSN 1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara with you until 1 o'clock. Still to come on the show, some NFL talk with Will Selva from the NFL Network and Good Morning Football. There is a lot to get to in the NFL. Off the field, on the field, Jalen Ramsey going Ric Flair, calling other quarterbacks trash, just absolutely mocking everyone with reckless abandon, and I love it. We'll welcome on in a, a couple minutes uh, Bruce Arthur from the Toronto Star. Uh, lots to get to here because there's the Blue Jays developing, of course, right? They're in action in Kansas City against the Royals tonight. There's the Maple Leafs off season with our, uh, you know, I'm going to ask Bruce our, our poll question from yesterday because it is still red hot, well over a thousand votes, and people are destroying each other on Twitter over it, which is amazing. The thread at AndyMC81 at TSN 1050 Radio, of people going back and forth. of Now it's evolved into what type of deal specifically the Leafs would have to put together to get P.K. Subban, or people don't want him, or they're saying because Babcock didn't have him on Team Canada. It's crazy. So we'll get to uh, Bruce's thoughts on that, and of course the Leafs offseason, the captaincy, is that going to go anywhere, and the Toronto Raptors as well. You can vote on our current Twitter poll, which is NFL-based at AndyMCD1 at TSN 1050 Radio. And that is, which NFL comeback story are you cheering for the most? Which NFL comeback story are you cheering for the most? Is it the Browns win a few games, Aaron Rodgers comes back, Deshaun Watson for the full year, having him coming back off that knee injury, or Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers to the playoffs, back to being relevant? Browns, Rodgers, Watson, or Jimmy G and Niners? Leading the way, my Browns, 41%, baby. Yeah, Browns win a few games. Hey, hey now. Settle down, studio audience. Aaron Rodgers is second. Uh, The misspelt uh, Aaron Aaron Rodgers uh, in the poll by producer Joe Narsa. Joe, the way you spelt it, it sounds like it's a fantasy team. It's like Aaron's Rodgers. Honestly, it's not my best feat. One of my buddies, actually, who follows like a huge 1050 fan, messaged me and was like, uh, not to be that guy, but it's also R-O-D-G-E-R-S. It's riddled with errors. He's like, I'm just going to put that down here. My buddy Michael Gambino putting me under the bus right there. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, That's why I try. We didn't have time today, but I, I try to proofread uh, some of your tweets because the ideas are there. But I think I think maybe you write it too fast because they're just they're just bursting. There's so many ideas in your brain, right? And what's interesting is, like everybody asks, like, oh, what do you do? Like, do, do like I tell them, oh, I work at TSN radio, and they're like, oh, do you have anything published? I'm like, yeah, actually, I've I've written some articles that have been published like nationally. And when you see me put out a tweet, there's no way you believe me. Which they is have sad. editors. There are editors. That's to why catch. I blame you. Because you should be reading it over as my editor, which I said yesterday that you are the editor. Listen, I'm of talent, my baby. Polls. I'm talent. <laughs> I don't get paid to edit, but but you get the idea. Aaron's Rodgers. You can use that as your fantasy team name. That's an idea. Deshaun Watson for the full year. Jimmy G. So it goes. Browns win a few games, leading the way as your NFL comeback story that you're cheering for most. Forty-one percent. Aaron's Rodgers is. At 32%. Deshaun Watson back for the full year at 18 And only 9% with Jimmy G and the Niners. I'm obviously voting for the Browns there. And it, Joe, are you, are, are you on with Bruce right there? Okay. Are, are you, 
No, I was. Oh, you okay to come on? Twelve oh five. Okay, I wasn't sure if you're on with Bruce. The glare in the studio here. Uh, what's your vote for the NFL comeback story of the year? I think I'm really interested to see Deshaun Watson. I think that's mm. my most excited one because what he was doing, we haven't seen in a while since I would say like. RG three. No, I think, think RG three. I think it was more Michael Vick, in that. His ability to do both, th- both throw the long ball, be critically clutch, be fast, and have a lot of skill reminded me of Michael Vick, and he was very game changing. He was instantly, but that was only over seven games. That's what we have to keep in mind. Now, not, now over those seven games, the stats were ridiculous. In seven games, nineteen touchdowns to eight interceptions, like. You add a, a full season into that, the guy's in the MVP conversation straight away. And he was also, what I liked about Deshaun Watson at first, too, was he was running, but at least at first it seemed like he was being a bit safe about it. That's something he's going to have to keep doing because otherwise you can, I called him coming out of the draft as RG4. I thought he was going to be injury prone and would use his legs uh, first. He did get injured. I'm not happy about that, but he, he did get injured, and we'll have to see a knee injury like RG3, and we've seen what has happened to RG3 since winning the Rookie of the Year, now a backup with the Baltimore Ravens to Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson kind of pushing it here. Let's bring in our good buddy from the Toronto Star, Bruce Arthur. Bruce, how's it going, man? Andy, how are you, man? Why are you talking about RG3? We're just starting off on such a sad note. (laughs) I know. Well, we're comparing him to Deshaun Watson, and hopefully that Deshaun doesn't follow that path after that knee injury. Because if you look at what he did, Bruce, over just seven games, 19 touchdowns, like this guy took the league by storm last year. Yeah, no, I remember, like, I can't remember if it was his college coach who said, like, I've never seen anything like this guy. This guy's going to be like Michael Jordan. Yeah. Well, I'm not so sure about that. And then one, the, the funny thing about Sean Watson is last year's football season, what do you remember about that season that was good, right? And like not the kneeling, not yeah. the Kaepernick talk, not all that stuff. The stuff you remember was the, there, was a, there, was a, there was a few things, but mostly, mostly for me, it was Deshaun Watson right up until the point he got hurt was the best thing about that entire NFL season. Well, sure, sure. And now you bring back J.J. Watt to that team, and it's going to be uh, an exciting division there in the AFC South. Uh, but, Bruce, let's uh, swing over to the Blue Jays a little bit here. And during a miserable Jays season with not a whole lot to cheer for, we are keeping an eye the Vladdy tracker with Vlad Guerrero Jr. and just what he's been able to do. Yesterday he went 0-5, for 5, but before that had four straight days of home runs. He's, uh, he's looking so... So good, so poised, batting three thirty three overall in 14 games. But, Bruce, for Jays fans who want to see this guy up, I'm amongst them. I'm like, yes, I don't care about the future contract stuff. I want to see the new shiny toy. What do you say to that? Is, that, is it something Jays fans just said we have to realize that's probably not the most prudent business move for the team? Well, and, and beyond just business moves, so the, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. seems to be the real thing. And there haven't been a lot of those come through the Jays' system as unambiguously kind of dominant at the minor league level as him. And this season, there were times where we went, you know what, maybe if they just were going to sell tickets, mm-hmm. they could bring this kid up. But the thing is, one player doesn't sell tickets. And that's what kind of, that to me is the kind of bigger problem of the Jays and Vladdy Guerrero as a concept is he can come up here and he can be, he won't be Mike Trout, but let's say he's 80% of Mike Trout. That's your absolute best case scenario. Sure. Um, and he comes up and he does that. And does that mean he's as good as Carlos Delgado was? Does that mean he's as 
dominant within the realm of baseball for his position as Roy Halladay was. Those guys didn't sell tickets, right? Like that's one guy point. doesn't sell tickets in baseball. And so that's where the state of the Jays, you don't want to bring them up because you don't want to really want to put them in that clubhouse, do you? Like this kind of unhappy, semi-toxic, kind of aimless, endless, mediocre clubhouse. Is that going to help his development? Probably not. So this comes back to why the clubhouse is where it's at right now and where the state of the Jays is and when what they're going to be when Vladdy Guerrero gets here. So let's say he doesn't come up this year. Let's say it's next year. What are they going to be? They didn't get the sell-off they wanted in terms of a lot of different players. Josh Johnson, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in, a, in an alternate universe, if they rebuild a year ago and they trade Donaldson at closer to the height of his powers for picks, prospects, whatever it is, guys who are a year away or even two years away, um, if they trade Marco Estrada last year, same thing. If they, if they move the guys when it was time to move them, when it was clearly the end of contention for this team, then Vladdy comes up and within two years you've got other players coming up with him. And right, right. now... The Jays are kind of lucky in that they've still got a really good farm system. They've got the third-ranked farm system in baseball. You just wonder how much better it could have been and how much faster a rebuild could have been, at which point, if, if he's the centerpiece of a good team, Vladdy Guerrero is going to be an unbelievable thing to watch in Toronto in the context of a bigger team. If he comes up and this team isn't good around him, good enough around him, then he could still be great but it just won't be the same. Yeah, and Bruce, you are so right, because the names you listed off, too, Roger Clemens. Like at the, This yep. was before we knew all the steroid stuff. Hottest pitcher in baseball. Like That was as big a star power you could get. And if the team isn't good, it doesn't move the needle. You might get the odd person come out for a curiosity, but it's not going to pack the house. Much different than in basketball, of course, where you can have literally one guy, he can sell tickets, and turn a whole team around instantly. Well, and also, in basketball... Because of that one guy theory, Andy, like when LeBron James comes to town, you're selling that game out, yes. right? Like yeah. when the stars come and there's enough stars across the league in basketball that you can do that. The funny thing with the Jays is the whole reason that they didn't rebuild is exactly what you talked about, is that what we discovered about this incredible Jays fan base that was kind of reanimated in 2015 and is only, only really petered off this year is when it's good, they're, they're here. And that's why they waited too long. That's why yeah. they waited too long to rebuild. Mark Shapiro basically admitted that back in December of last year. He said, you know, we would have hit the reset button a year and a half ago. It's not for the fans. Well, the fans probably would have appreciated it if he had been able to just say, you know what? Yeah, the money's rolling in, but it's, we want to get ready for the next wave of money or whatever you want. You could, they could have sold that, and they didn't. And so that's kind of that's the trick with this team. And, again, the fact that their farm system is as strong as it is is a credit both to this era of Jay's management and the previous one. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were running this organization in the optimal way, in the way that absolutely prepared you for the future and made the break from the previous era at the right time, then I think that this Jay's organization would have a brighter future than it has now as it stands. They're probably lucky to be in as good shape as, as they're in. In conversation with Bruce Arthur from the Toronto Star on Twitter at Bruce underscore Arthur. And Bruce, you're so right with that because especially Shapiro admitting, oh, we probably should have, without instead of the fans. Well, your, your management, you're getting paid to make these tough decisions and to plan for the future when that team, as it was, was not 
good enough. And in that offseason off of the second playoff year, where you needed to get younger, you needed to get faster, you got the injured, old, sluggish Steve Pierce. As soon as I saw that, Bruce, I was like, that's done. It's over. And the team, they and for this year, too, coming in saying, we could be a wild card team. Come on. Well, I mean, Dennis Morales, congratulations. That's yeah. going great. Big, big right? one. Granderson. And that was, and that, and that, Morales was the guy who replaced Edwin Encarnacion. Mm-hmm. Um, the, one of the reasons, and I, and I don't know this for sure, but my reading on this has always been this. One of the reasons that this front office didn't pull the trigger when they could have. Um, when they had the, when they, when the time was right, baseball wise, and no other way, but only baseball wise. I, I think they knew, they clearly knew that that was probably the right thing to do. I think they lacked, I would say this, they lacked the political capital with the fan base maybe to do it. Um, because there's never been kind of a warming between this front office and the fan base that's been fairly standoffish on both sides. Partly because of the way the Alex Anthopoulos era ended, partly because of the way this organization does its job now. There's a lot of things that I think these guys are pretty tenured about, and, and they, I think they're a little bit scared of the market um, and resentful of a lot of the, the way they were treated when they came in. I don't think they had the, I don't think they had the kind of political capital to do that because, and like Alex Anthopoulos could have done that if he'd given him a new contract and he'd been here long enough, he understood the market. There was a trust that was built up over time. Then maybe he would. It would have been easier for him to do it. But also, you have to point to ownership, right? Like you have to. Ownership has to say, "Look, we may be making a lot of money, but you do what you need to baseball wise, and you need to make that explicit." And I'm not clear that that's what happened. I mean, you can say it, but a, a committed, involved owner would be able to say, "Look, is it is, is now the time to cut bait, and we'll eat it for a couple of years." And then we'll have a, a, a much better chance at a rebirth. And it doesn't seem like that happened, at least in this era of the Jays. And last one for you here, Bruce. We'll switch over to the Maple Leafs. Less than a month away from training camp. We're all salivating. Don't want <laughs> to wish away the summer. It's been a great weather summer. But hockey season here. There are so many different angles or storylines you could you could dive into. What's the one storyline you're most looking forward to? Because you could go Tavares, the line, uh, how is the line going to be structured? What's going to be done on defense? The captaincy. Like, is there one storyline with the Maple Leafs going into training camp that jumps out to you? Well, and you're right. And you can, you can pick out a ton of different things, like watching how's Mitch Marner going to play with John Travera. Uh, yeah. Like that, that, that alone is fascinating because it has contractual obligations which have a huge impact on the future of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Huge. Um, because if, if, if Mitch Marner is getting a $9 million contract rather than a $7 million contract, that makes a big difference. Um, the thing I'm most interested in with this team is last year it felt like this team kind of waited. It waited to be really good. It figured it would save itself a little bit until the playoffs and was playing a long t- for a long time like a team that looked like it was ready to play 100 games. And that's kind of, if you listen to them going into the playoffs, that's kind of where they were. I want to see how this team manages itself as a would-be contender this year because there's no more waiting around. Last year you could say, you know what, they got one first-round playoff series. It's, they're not quite there yet. This is going to. This should be a top five team in the NHL this year. This should be a top five team in the NHL that has realistic hopes of going not just one round of the playoffs, but several rounds in the playoffs. These guys should be good. And so, how do you learn to be a contender? To pace yourself at the right time, to go at the right time, to build up. It's like a heavyweight fighter or an Olympic athlete getting ready for the big event. Well, they have to train all the way through the season for that big event. Are they going to be ready when the playoffs comes? Because uh, during the regular season, lots of stuff's going to go up and down. We'll see if they stay healthy. We'll see how Tavares fits in. There's all, this, all, this, all these incredible dynamics on a team that, I keep saying it, there are eight centers 
that have scored 60 goals combined over the last two years and three of them play for the Leafs. Wow. So, uh, like, it's, 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 it's kind of amazing what they've got here. They don't even need a fourth-line center. How good can they be as a team? How, how, how will Mike let them play? How will, ba- will Babs let them run? Because this team has uh, – the center depth is, at worst, the third best in the NHL, depending on how you feel about the Pittsburgh Penguins and maybe mm-hmm. a couple other teams. And they've got almost everything you want. How good can they be as a team in terms of building for what should be a really highly anticipated platform? Oh, it's going to be so fun, Bruce, to just follow along with the journey on this less than a month away. Bruce, thank you so much as always. Andy, my pleasure, man. All right, Bruce Arthur, Toronto star, columnist, must follow on Twitter, at Bruce underscore Arthur. We'll step aside, and up next, in just a couple of minutes, it will be Will Selva from the NFL Network, anchor on Good Morning Football all the way from L.A., we're going to go over Jalen Ramsey shooting out his mouth, calling out quarterbacks, saying players suck, they stink, they're no good. And can anybody really challenge the Patriots in the AFC this year? That and some rookie quarterback talk, too, coming up on TSN 1050. Back on Toronto today here on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara with you until 1 o'clock, and then the Scott MacArthur Show takes over. Get me on Twitter at AndyMC81, the station at TSN 1050 Radio and on Instagram at AndyMC Sports. Caught up with NFL Network anchor for Good Morning Football, Will Selva, a little bit earlier today, and we covered a whole bunch of ground. Here we go. Will, let's begin with all the offseason. There's stuff going on off the field, on the field, preseason week two getting ready to roll. But Jalen Ramsey of the Jacksonville Jaguars might have a future career in pro wrestling. This guy shooting <laughs> off his mouth better than Ric Flair. He's calling quarterbacks trash, garbage. They're out. What do you make of all this? Is this is he biting off a bit more too much than he can chew here? I think this is fantastic for not just football but for sports. <laughs> you need a player like him, like a Draymond Green, yeah. people that you love to hate who are engaging. And what's been so funny about this is the reaction from around the league. Eli Manning was asked about it. He said no comment. Then he said, who? Matthew Stafford's wife then went after GQ and said, there's nothing GQ about Jalen Ramsey. Why are you going to waste your time and space? And then GQ clapped back. And then Leonard Fournette tweeted out, hey, Jalen Ramsey, am I considered trash? So I think it has been so funny to me. And remember, throughout the history of the league, we've seen trash talkers before in the late 70s, before the Super Bowl, between the Cowboys and the Steelers. There was a Cowboys player named Hollywood Henderson who said that Terry Bradshaw could not spell cat, even if he was spotted, the C and the A. So I love it. I am here for it. Give me more Jalen Ramsey, please. <laughs> more Jalen Ramsey. If when your players' wives coming after you, you know you've hit a nerve. So that's that's perfect fodder. I love it, man. Absolutely. Uh, so well, let's look then at the Jaguars as a team here, and of course made the playoffs sure. for the first time in a long time last year. But yep. little, little asterisks going into this year. You were without Deshaun Watson on Houston and JJ Watt, and there was no Andrew Luck. Both of those guys are now back also with a revamped Tennessee Titans offense. That whole AFC South, if everyone's healthy, is going to be a dogfight. How do you think the Jags go this year? Are they due for maybe a regression? You know, I actually do think at the end of the day, they are going to end up at the top of the division, and here's why. Wow. They still have a championship caliber 
team in terms of their defense. I mean, top-notch with playmakers on the boundaries. We know the ability of Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, and A.J. Boye. Then up front, you got Calais Campbell, Malik Jackson. So these guys are legit. And they've got a great running game, Leonard Fournette. I think you're going to see them ground and pound. I think a lot of people want to see Jacksonville be in shootouts and score 30, 40 points, but they don't have to. Not when they have an elite defense like they do. And I think that Blake Bortles, obviously, it all revolves around him, and he's going to need to step up even more. But as we saw last season, he was able to limit those turnovers. That was huge. And with him throwing the ball, he had issues with his accuracy. We now know he was dealing with a wrist injury, so he's healthier. The reports that a camp is that he's been more accurate. Granted, this is training camp. We'll see if it translates into a game. But he's going to need to step up his game. But to your point... The division's going to be tough because health is going to be key, especially for the Texans. When you look at what they brought back with Merciless, with J.J. Watt, as you mentioned, also, all by the way, Deshaun Watson's now healthy. You've got Tyron Matthew. So they have all the makings, and I see them being in the mix along with the Titans. I just don't know if the Colts have enough talent around Andrew Luck, even if he's healthy and ready to go week one. In conversation with Will Selva from NFL Network. Good morning football on Twitter at Will Selva TV. So let's go to the rookie quarterbacks here, Will. And man, this sure. is coming out of the draft. Yeah, Baker Mayfield first overall, Sam Darnold after that, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen. But each of these quarterbacks is in a different situation. And it's crazy to say that two previous quarterback wastelands where they would go to die with the Jets and the Browns actually have right. pretty good looking spots for quarterbacks out of the out of the core group who and you can throw in Lamar Jackson if you like too but which rookie quarterback sure. do you think is in the best situation do you think anyone is going to be a day one starter I I think right now at this very point in time I think Sam Darnold is going to be the one that emerges just based on everything that we've heard through training camp that they are enamored with this guy the poise, the way that nothing rattles him. He's picked up the offense extremely well. Uh, he actually took 10 of the 12 first-team reps, so that meant that Teddy Bridgewater and McCown both had to split those reps that they had. So they really like what they have with him, his presence in the pocket, and we saw what he did in the preseason opener. I think he has the inside track to be starting day one, but I think not too far behind may end up being Josh Allen as well. The guy showed that he has a strong arm, but his issue that's going to hold him back is going to be the decision-making, obviously, which is yeah. key, and the accuracy as well. So I think he'd be the next in line. But also with Lamar Jackson, he's going to be a backup. Josh Rosen's going to be a backup. But Lamar Jackson, they are going to figure out a way to utilize him. I mean, this guy could be the best. Uh, running quarterback we've seen since Michael Vick. He he possesses that kind of electric talent that you can't ignore and you can't leave on the bench. Do I think he's going to supplant Flacco? No, but he's definitely going to be in the mix. But in my opinion, I think Darnold won, and then Josh Allen would be second out of those out of those quarterbacks. And this is the most celebrated quarterback class since probably 2012. Yeah. So I can't wait to see these guys in action do their thing. 
And when you look at the situations that Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold are in from a support group within the quarterback room, I don't think you could ask for any better situation because for Darnold, as you said, there's Josh McCown there who's pretty much a player coach at this point. He said he wants Mm -hmm. to be a coach. Great guy, knows his role. There's not going to be any sort of issue with him. And then with the Browns, you have... Uh, Tyrod Taylor, which I believe is now pronounced Tarod. He on on uh, he, right. he he corrected everyone right. after like eight years in the league. Uh, you got him starting, so there's not a rush to push Baker. Then you got Drew Stanton in that Josh McCowan type of role as a mentor. I think sometimes well that gets overlooked to have a true kind of like player coach in that quarterback room. It uh, it helps. No, absolutely, and that's how these guys develop because they're going to make mistakes. I mean, when we saw Baker Mayfield out there, I mean, he looked electric. He made the throws. He was accurate. And those are the kinds of things that we expected from him coming out of Oklahoma. But to have a guy like Taylor and Stanton that taken him under his wing, and even now Hugh Jackson, you you saw him on Hard Knocks saying, okay, you got to come in a little bit early. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do to make yourself better? And then you have a player like a Jarvis Landry, who you saw gave that stirring speech oh. in the wide receiver room. So you have guys like that, veterans, that want to change the culture there in Cleveland. So that helps out. Then in New York, you do have those guys like, like McCown, who's lasted for a reason. Yes, he's been a solid backup, but people like being around the guy because they know that he brings that kind of leadership. So I think... For, for Darnold and for Mayfield, to your point, you hit it right on the head. These are great situations for these guys. In conversation with Will Selva from the NFL Network and Good Morning Football. Okay, well, is this going to be the year that somebody can roadblock the Patriots to the Super Bowl? To me, when you look at it, the most there's a lot of ifs and a lot of possibilities. But the Steelers are right there, and they seem to be like if they don't yeah. if they don't get over that hump this year, this could fall apart because there's been a lot of infighting there. Oh, absolutely. Well, here's the thing. They have been a perpetual tease for several years now. Yeah. They've always been in that mix. It's been nine years since they've won it all. So there's that pressure. There's also the pressure here with the window that we're looking at with Ben Roethlisberger and with Le'Veon Bell mm-hmm. because his agent came out and said this is going to be his final season in Pittsburgh. Remains to be seen if that's just hyperbole. So if you have those two guys looking at the window shortening up, and then James Harrison comes out and says he doesn't know about the, the discipline and, and Mike Tomlin, as we saw last year in the playoffs, made a couple of head-scratching moves. So they're under the most pressure, and it, it, literally the, the Patriots for them are their, their boogeyman, mm-hmm. and they have to get over it. And this, is, this would be the time with the urgency for them to do it. Another team that I think could be out there, that is lurking out here out west are the L.A. Chargers. They've got a lot of talent. I think for them, they've been snake-bitten by injuries. But you look at they got Bosa, they got Ingram, they got Gordon at running back, they got a steady, reliable future Hall of Famer in Phillip Rivers. You know, Keenan Allen, he's always determined to show everybody he should be more in line with all the elite wide receivers in the league. So I think they could be in the mix as well. Then over in the NFC, you can't discount the Vikings oh, or sure. the Eagles, the defending Super Bowl champs. So there are the teams that are out there, but it's just every year the Patriots find a way, and if somehow a guy like Julian Edelman's down, they find somebody else to step up year in and year out. 
And even now, with their wide, uh, with their wide receiver situation being thin, they'll figure out a way to plug in somebody and make them better. Yeah, and who so, you've never heard of before. Like Chris Hogan coming out of Buffalo was uh, just a guy, right? Right, right. But he was... Uh, you know, was was productive there, but but the fact that he then is elevated and mm-hmm. is just the kind of receiver that the Patriots like to have, and you know they brought in Malcolm Mitchell and that didn't work out for them, and so they, they just always seem to be in the mix, mixing and matching with veterans that they just plug and they play in there. So I think those are the teams that are out there that that could be in waiting, but it's again trying to get over Brady and Belichick. Huh. For the for the the Steelers is just no easy task. No, not at all. Well, week two of the preseason starts up tonight with three games, and then it continues into Friday. Well, thank you so much. Always enjoy watching you on Good Morning Football on NFL Network. Thanks for the time. Hey, absolutely. Long overdue. Let's do it soon. <laughs> that is Will Selva, one of my favorite guys from NFL Network anchors Good Morning Football. God, check that out every morning. It's a such a great show. And yeah. Preseason week two kicks off tonight. You got Eagles Patriots. How about that for a preseason? Uh, we how long we'll see the starters? I don't know, but that's still fun. Eagles Patriots and Steelers Packers Jets and Redskins Super Bowl rematch. There, producer Joe Narsa, uh, are you looking forward to Eagles Patriots preseason? Doesn't matter. We won the big game. <laughs> If the Patriots win, that that's no sort of that, that's not some form of redemption. I would love to see the Patriots like dismantle the Eagles so that all the Patriots fans could be like, see, see, we were supposed to win that game, but you didn't because you, a backup quarterback beat you. And you could pull a Patrick Waugh and it's like, sorry, I can't hear you. I got I can't I, hear I, I, what Tom Brady say. Except they only have one Super Bowl ring. I have the one. I, Super Bowl ring. I moved through <laughs> both my ears. A finger in the other one. Well, you get the point. <laughs> Just Eagles fans getting angry. So that's the the Thursday night preseason week two kickoff. And by the way, folks, I mentioned it yesterday, the return TSN four downs will be back for season three here on TSN ten fifty starting next week. And it'll be uh next week it might be on a Thursday or a Friday, but then after that it'll be every Saturday morning at eleven AM here on TSN ten fifty for all your fantasy football and NFL news. So stay tuned for that. Now during the Will Selva uh, interview, chatted with him earlier today, I was talking to producer Joe Narsa backstage, or in the back, whatever, and, and I, I mentioned to him that uh, we were talking a little Baker Mayfield, first overall pick, and that I bought a, an item of clothing that he wore, not directly, but the brand, it's called Walk-On, and he was a Walk-On twice, that's part of his remarkable story to Oklahoma, and before that, uh, I think it was Texas Tech. But came on, he has the walk-on mentality. Overcomer, underdog, overcome everything. And that inspired me. Like, yeah. He wore it on draft. They had the white hoodie. Walk-on, then the spade sign underneath. Like, yes, I'm going to get one. And I did. And, Joe, I told you how much it cost. $50 Canadian. Uh, plus um, plus shipping. How much was shipping? Ten ninety-five. dollars uh, Actually, I got... Another, I got my my dad a walk on shirt with it, so I saved a, a little bit on shipping. So, so I think spent, it was under ten. You spent a hundred dollars <laughs> on walk on shirts. Uh, this t shirt was a bit less. I think it was like twenty five. <laughs> oh my god! Come on, at Baker Mayfield, let's go on Twitter. We tagged him. It's a sharp shirt, don't you think? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> the problem. You know what the problem is too? Oh. If you look at the picture, yeah. 
it at looks TSN like, 1050 radio. Yeah, you check out, out at TSN 1050 yeah. radio. Yeah. This picture is the epitome of why you shouldn't draft Baker Mayfield. <laughs> he's where he looks kind of like he's hung over. He hasn't shaved. He knows he's going to get drafted. He's wearing a hoodie that he looks like he bought at a dollar store. <laughs> and there's some guy some in DB. the left corner who's just <laughs> like, man, we're going to have a party later. It's like it's, it's, his, it's like his bro. And he contributes nothing to the entourage. He shouldn't even be on the payroll. He's just there as the guy. Kind of like, like the turtle in entourage, right? The turtle at least can drive. I guess The other did. guys don't really drive. Maybe this, this guy could drive. I don't know. No, he well, can't drive. Probably not at that moment. He looks a little festive. So you... Okay, see... Now, you made me feel so much better about spending almost $300 after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. What did you get? I saw the one shirt. Oh, I bought... So I bought the... Super Bowl shirt yeah. that they wore on the field that I that. refused to wear. You then refused I, to? Oh, right. Okay. Then I bought the Super Bowl hat that they got yeah. that I refused to wear. <laughs> and then I bought a Super Bowl hoodie that looks like the shirt they wore on the field, which I will wear. Which you do wear. I've seen that one. And yeah. then I bought the uh, the parade shirt, which is the black one that I wear every so often with like this, the Vince Lombardi trophy on the side and like, the confetti and the winning beating the Patriots. Do you have the German Shepherd uh, dog mask, commemorative dog mask? No, I wanted one really bad, but I decided I'm probably not going to be able to wear that to work. Right. So I held that back. Right. And now, really, you can't be a defending Super Bowl champ and an underdog, so you wouldn't be able to wear that anymore. No, you absolutely can be a defending Super Bowl champ <laughs> underdog because after the Eagles won the Super Bowl, they were... The, they had the second best odds to winning next year. And guess who had the first best odds? The team that they beat. Exactly. The wow. Patriots. Wow. Hey, until Brady and Bell... Like, don't you... Can't you just wait? If you're not a Patriots fan, and all you fake Patriot fans out there, I know there's a lot of you. Joe, there's no worse term than when a fake bandwagon New England Patriot fan comes up to you and says, I'm a diehard Patriots fan. I want to strike them right in the mouth. Yeah, who's the quarterback die for Tom hard? Brady? Die hard. Well, it's it's too much winning difficult for you. Does that does that hurt when you win too much? Get out of here. Exactly. That's the first trivia question I do. I say before I go before Drew Bledsoe, because if you do like an, just even an ounce of research, you can see pictures of Brady and Bledsoe together. Before Bledsoe, it is ugly, and those days will return. Wouldn't it be great? Those good teams that are good for so long. Let's see. Is Brian Hoyer going to save you, Patriots, after this? I'm just a bitter Browns fan. Sorry. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> it is frustrating watching a team just absolutely do everything Forever. right all the time. Forever. And for you, it sucks because you're the fan of the team that does everything wrong all Correct. the time. Except now, it's right because I got my walk-on hoodie and Baker Mayfield and the Browns are in hard knocks and I got Terod Taylor. Why are they called Browns and their color orange? I'll tell. Well... It's named after Paul Brown, the creator of the team. And the actual original helmets were white. They were all white. And then for some reason they went to orange and uh, I have one win in two years. So what do you want from me? What do you want from me, Joe? <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't ask you anymore. Is your walk-on hoodie on its way? Like, how's the, oh, I uh, have it. Oh, you have it. I have it. It's too warm to wear out, but I'm, I'm ready. I might go the route of like hoodie and shorts guy. If it gets to that point on like a nice fall day, just so I can, because I can't wait to wear it. Tomorrow, your poll question should be What is the worst storyline out of uh, Brown's training camp? Me buying a walk on hoodie or Tyrod Taylor mispronouncing his own name? Him correcting people after like eight years in the league. He's like, Actually, my name is Tyrod. People are like, What? 
It's like, yeah, it's Tyrod, not Tyrod. A like, writer for ESPN what? spoke to his dad, and he said, no, it's Tyrod. Like, Are you serious? Yeah, absolutely. I saw oh, it. So his father is correcting his son, who, and I assume he had a, a hand in naming him. Yeah, probably a little bit. That's awesome. Yeah, so he's like, no, my son's name is Tyrod. <laughs> is, is Tyrod going to say, no, dad, it's mispronounced. You can change your name. It's like, what? Very strange. We'll come back to wrap up the show. The poll update. More tweets coming in from our PK Subban tweet yesterday on should the Leafs go get him. Very polarizing. And our uh, NFL storyline, comeback storyline Twitter poll. We'll talk a little uh, Jays as well as we get ready to wrap up Toronto today here on TSN 1050. Follow me on Twitter at AndyMC81, the station at TSN 1050 Radio, and Instagram at AndyMC Sports. And folks, remember... Lease Busters will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie, a piece of cake. Avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit leasebusters.com today. All right, so to wrap things up, a few storylines we want to get to. Uh, first, with the Denver Broncos, uh, with John Elway, who I wonder if the honeymoon is starting to wear off a little bit if he cannot get this quarterback situation sorted for this year. Got the Super Bowl, I think grossly miscalculated what the quarterback position meant to that team, which is surprising considering what he did. But after Peyton Manning, it was, anybody can play quarterback here, it's the defense. Wrong. Then you go get Case Keenum, who has totally sucked his entire career until last year with the Vikings. And kudos to Keenum. That was a full, that, he did awesome. I doubted him the whole year, rightfully so. Guy did awesome and got a relatively low end contract i think 10 million bucks about but got paid a whole lot more than he would have if his uh, trend continued elway is putting it on keenum as an upgrade over trevor simeon which i think he is but that's not saying much the wild card though is buffalo bills great jim kelly his nephew chad kelly who i love two years ago coming out of the draft What happened, though, is he had a season-ending injury, and he's working his way back and has looked amazing in camp. So he has bumped Paxton Lynch, who was a late-round, first-round pick a couple years ago, bumped him down to third string, and now Elway's saying maybe they're not done in the quarterback room. Maybe they need to go get another veteran. And for Paxton Lynch, he just looked to me like a Brock Osweiler clone. And by that I mean he's 6'7", he's lanky, had some upside, but just hasn't been able to put it together. And the problem with those quarterbacks, you, people always say they want a big quarterback, and you do. But the sweet spot is kind of in that 6'3 to 6'5 range. You get too much bigger than that, and what happens is the windup takes too long. It's too big of a windup because the arms, their wingspan, they're giant men. It takes too long. That's the problem with Osweiler. That's part of the problem with Paxton Lynch. But I think Chad Kelly is a story to follow. This guy, he's Gutsy, he leads men, he'll run through a wall. Not necessarily the biggest guy, I think he's 6'1", 6'2", but big enough. He's tough. And he had some off-field concerns. He made some uh, questionable comments about uh, violence. And also, and this this one I respect, he ran onto the field, and he got criticized for this. Producer Joe Narsa, what do you think of this? Chad Kelly got criticized because... Uh, in his college days, he ran onto the field for his brother's high school game because his brother was getting beat up during a game and was ripping people off. To me, if you're in a locker room, you're like, holy cow, that guy's going to do anything for us and just goes to his leadership. But people were calling him a wild card. It was his brother. 
I respect that. It's funny you bring that up because uh, Chad Kelly was actually a point of reference in the show uh, Last Chance You on Netflix because he went to uh, EMCC, the JUCO College. Right. goes East Mississippi Community College, which has won like four national titles in the last five years. And that's actually where players end up going. And when they were talking, he was talking about it, and they showed the video of it. And in all honesty, there's there's nothing else you wouldn't do. Like, you have to... You can't just let that happen. Yeah. And it was hyper-criticism of a player who had a chip on his shoulder and mm-hmm. who had done, you know, had been cocky and had done some dumb things before that, but nothing that was egregious enough to get kicked out of school, essentially. Right. And drop down a Juco. But he's got a lot of talent and a lot of skill. He was the best quarterback in, you know, in the country, but in the junior college level when he was there. And he was one of the better quarterbacks in D1 when he was playing. With so, Mississippi, yeah. Yeah, he has skill. He has talent. It's just about, you know... Staying healthy. He and, got. I think he had a shoulder injury first, and then he had the other more serious... What was it? A knee or something? Sometimes it's unfair in sports because ultimately staying healthy is a statistic. And yeah. if you're great at that statistic, you might be able to do a lot better things than players that are just unable to be healthy. And you see it in any sport. Even when you talk... Hockey, baseball, basketball. There's players that have had peaks and uh, these massive ceilings, but if you can't stay healthy, you can't really do anything with it. And it's interesting because for the Broncos, since Peyton Manning has been gone, I feel like they've been stopgap after stopgap after stopgap. Joe, I think what they've done is uh, uh, the the quarter Elway. John Elway thinks. That he with that defense, he can put anybody back there. That is the theme that he has gone by, and it has proven ineffective because you cannot put a price on the mind of Peyton Manning, and that's why you have to upgrade skill wise. Peyton Manning during that last Super Bowl was a shell of his former self. He didn't have anything, but his mind was there. He was still calling out defenses, being that on the field coach. You just can't slap in a Trevor Simeon. Right, and so that's why you get Case Keenum. You hope it's an upgrade, and then hey, maybe Chad Kelly is the future if he can come on. Certainly, he has the genes for it with Jim Kelly. I, for the last two years, I think me and you've talked about him multiple times. I kept wondering why the Broncos wouldn't make a move to acquire a quarterback. They have so many. Ta- they've had you know a bunch of talented running backs and some draft picks that they could have used. Sure. And every year you go into a season going, what is Philip Rivers even doing with the Chargers? Yeah, that team has no. It's not going anywhere. Eight and eight, exactly. Right? Why are you not making a splash and going after a quarterback like that? Why didn't you try and get Eli out of the Giants when they were dismantling his career, ruin his all-time playing streak? It's just, I think John Elway thinks he's a lot smarter than he actually is, and he has that Super Bowl as currency. But that is starting to wear thin. I think if the the Broncos don't show significant improvement in case Keenum is a flop, which by all accounts, he is primed to regress. I, if he doesn't, I don't care if he does or he doesn't, but if he, if he doesn't, great move if you're getting the Minnesota guy, but the Vikings had better weapons, and again, Joe, like it's so hard to fool just the world in sports. If you've been the same type of player and guy for your whole career, it is so tough in your late 20s to be able to say, oh, now I'm an elite quarterback. It doesn't happen. Not to mention when you're losing the speed and skill that you had up front, the running game is not the same. The not offensive line is good, but they're not the, like the Vikings line can hold a lot of like a lot of tackles. They can hold the box from collapsing. When it comes down to it, the biggest problem is going to be for Case Keenan the weapons around him and to prove what what he can potentially accomplish 
would probably one of the greatest sports stories you could ever imagine. If he comes back, so here's Case Keenum before his Minnesota year. So last year, 22 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 3,500 plus yards, quarterback rating 98.3, just lights out. Before that season, he's 30 years old, played 2013, 2014 with the Texans, 2015, 16 with the Rams, never reached double digit touchdowns. He reached double digit interceptions, but not double digit touchdowns. That is just such a whoa blip to regress would not be surprising at all if you're the Denver Broncos and Case Keenum. So uh, we'll have to see. I'm rooting for Chad Kelly, though, man. That is a heck of a story, and I hope he does line things up. Uh, let's uh, finish the show with some Kawhi Leonard talk. And it looks like, well, the, the Kawhi Leonard, there might be a, a casualty. And it could be the Clippers TV analyst, Bruce Bowen, who is, well, you're connecting the dots. He spoke ill of Kawhi Leonard. He got fired. Bruce Bowen spoke on if he thinks Kawhi had anything to do with him being firing. I don't think I'm that <laughs> I'm that powerful where, you know, uh, I would be the reason why someone would not want to go to a team. I mean, if, <laughs> what are you doing? Are you playing or are you listening? What? And if you are listening, then listen to the words that are said and, and receive the constructive criticism because that's my job yeah. to be. Criti- cri- be critical of someone's play. Now, I, I'm, if I'm just tearing a player down, that's one thing, but I don't think I'm big enough that someone would say, you know what, I'm not going there because Bruce Bowen is there and, he, and, he, and he's on the mic. I'm not going to deal with that because I'm the same person that's just going to call it how it is. And That's a great point. Yeah, I, I question how much that actually has anything to do with it. The reason being, the Clippers have been mentioned as a landing spot for... Kawhi Leonard, if the Lakers don't work out after Toronto. Now everybody's thinking, ah, no way he stays with the Raptors. Hopefully, the Raptors shock the world and he ends up re-signing with the Raptors, depending how the year goes, of course. But the Clippers, if you bring in Kawhi Leonard, that's a guy you could build around, or is he? Bruce Bowen spoke on if he would build a team around Kawhi Leonard. No, I would not. And, and I say that from what has transpired now. Okay. That, you know, it, it, now, if you would ask me that two years ago, I'd say absolutely. That, that's what you do. You had to talk about the finals MVP. And he's had a very, uh, he had it very good as far as having Tim, Tony, and Manu to kind of learn from. And then you go from there. But only because of the actions that I've seen here of late would it create doubt for me to build around Kawhi. Do you that's think his not people... A, that's not a slap to him. It's just the fact that this is what I've seen from you, and, and I just don't have that trust that I can feel that way about you going into something special as far as a season or a playoff series. Well, that's interesting. Kawhi Leonard's going to have a chance to prove it here in Toronto. Final poll update at TSN 1050 Radio on Twitter at AndyMCD1. Which NFL comeback story are you cheering for most this year? Browns winning a few games. Aaron Rodgers comeback. Deshaun Watson coming back from injury playing for a full year. Or Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners regaining relevance and making the playoffs. 41% Browns win a few games leading the way. Rodgers comeback 31% after that. Well, that'll do it. For today, folks, for producer Joe Narsa and Sean Lavery, I'm Andy McNamara. The Scott McCarthy Show is up next. I'll be back with you at 1 p.m. tomorrow right here on TSN 1050.